Welcome to The Jury Is Out, a podcast for trial attorneys who want to sharpen their skills and better serve their clients. Your co-hosts are John Simon, founder of The Simon Law Firm, Tim Cronin, personal injury trial attorney at The Simon Law Firm, and St. Louis attorney Eric Veith. Welcome to another episode of The Jury Is Out. I'm Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. We're here again with Joy Holly. Hi, Joy. Hi, Eric. We're here talking about AI. We already had one episode. We're back for more. Good afternoon. Last night I had looked for some articles, other articles about AI and what actually is out there and what lawyers can use now. And and I found an article. It looks like it's a publication called AI for Lawyers, Transform Your Legal Practice with AI Tools. And the article title is AI for Lawyers, How Machine Learning Can Transform Your Legal Practice. It's an April three 2023 article by Chris Dreyer. I wanted to give him credit for this because I thought Chris did a good job of making a list of categories of tools. And then maybe we could just walk through the categories and maybe you could react for us as far as whether you have some knowledge about these tools, whether they work well, whether you foresee that being a big deal in the future. Sure. All right. So the first category is document management efficiency. He mentions that Various tools exist today with many features, including automated organization of documents, faster document retrieval through search options, identification of relevant information in each case file, detection of errors, and capability to correct mistakes. What are your reactions to that? And what knowledge do you have of products that maybe do these things? Yeah, so he's right about that. These products exist or and are in use in law firms today. So If you think about it, law firms and lawyers are selling knowledge, right? So knowledge management is extremely important, and most law firms or many law firms will have a document management system. So what that means is you can profile your documents, your work products, so that when you have to write a motion to dismiss in St. Louis City Court, you can access the 1,200 of those that you've already written, and if you, depending on how you profile it, you can identify ones that are closer and closer to the type of case that you already have to do to write the new one more quickly and efficiently. That's what he's talking about, that the, that as we inject more artificial intelligence functionality into those types of tools, they will become more powerful in helping lawyers leverage their existing work product. I don't know how much of my time is allocated to finding stuff, but it's enormous frustration, of course. Anything that can help me. So... Can you describe maybe how it, does it go through your database and how do new products help you find things? So it, it searches through in different ways, but one way is through the document profile. So it takes different, so how you title it. If you have different data fields that you fill in, the type of client, the client number, the client type, the jurisdiction that it's in, the type of pleading that it is, the date of it the judge, the different factors or pieces of information or metadata that would help you identify components or characteristics of the data that would make it more likely to help you. And then also to make it content searchable so that you could search for specific words. If you remember that, oh, when I represented a woman named Joy Holly three years ago, her case was similar to this one. I'd like to find that motion in limine that I filed in her case that would help you find and pick out different parts of the content that would be 
helpful. But the more sophisticated AI is going to be able to help you find information, even if it's not going to be reliant on search terms. For example, helping you find example, and I'm not necessarily talking about DMS or document management system, but helping you find evidence of fraud, even if the word fraud isn't used. Helping you, you were talking earlier about emotion. There is facial recognition technology that's being developed now that can tell whether someone who's smiling is a real smile or a fake smile. Wow. That's pretty scary, but that kind of stuff. So it's not... It's not going to be dependent on the words that are used because so much of our communication isn't really dependent on that. So much of communication is nonverbal. And this is, we, we, I'm going off and so we- We've had a pod, podcast on that. And I, yeah. I've read studies that say 80% of our communication is nonverbal. Yeah. And you think of it just emails, like cold emails that you get. And people read all kinds of crazy shit into it, and nobody even intended it. And that's something that I think we all really suffered from during the pandemic. So in this article, and we're still on point one of six, <laughs> the author mentions some products with AI functions. And he mentions like checkbox.ai, nanonets, and some other products. And I'm not suggesting that you would or could know all these products, but how would someone keep up? Let's say you're a lawyer who thinks, I need some help. I'm willing to pay for some technology. How do you shop? It's not you're buying a pair of shoes. Right. Where you put the shoes on and you pretty quickly know whether it works or not. If you buy into one of these systems, it might work for 84% of your needs. And then it may fail dramatically on the other remaining percentage. And you don't know until a disaster hits. Like maybe those lawyers had cited, used ChatGPT to write some other briefs and it worked out fine. And so then they get the blinders on and they think they're invulnerable and they follow this one and, and Chat hallucinates, as you say. So what would your suggestion be for lawyers who are thinking, I want to take advantage of this stuff, but I want to be responsible. And I also want to know, I know the field keeps changing. The next thing, like the day today I buy something, maybe in six days, something that's 50 times better just came out. How do you become a knowledgeable shopper in order to take advantage of this technology? So there are resources. There are resources like Consumer Reports for Legal Technology. So there's a resource called Legal Tech Hub, which is a website that allows you to to look at profiles of com- I don't know if these particular companies are on there, but would give you an overview of some of the landscape of legal technology in some of these areas. The, all of these types of vendors, I'm sure, would have internet presence, and you could contact them and see demonstrations. You could probably look on YouTube for demonstrations, and then to the extent you were going to talk to any of these companies, that, that's a whole other discussion, too. But obviously, you would want to speak to refer- client references and, and who could speak to the appropriateness or the viability of any particular product and the type of environment and for the type of uses that you would have for it. And then the negotiation of a contract that would protect you and be contain the kind of terms that would hopefully safeguard you for the things like the fact that the technology is evolving at a quick pace and you would, you would need certain safeguards in a contract. But there are ways to do some self-help and some self-investigation of some of these products. That would be topic one. Number two, improve your legal research capabilities. Yeah, we've been talking about that. Again, some, I I just, I think it makes it less scary to 
assure lawyers that they, to the extent they've been using online legal research, they have been using the foundations of this technology for many years. When you conduct natural language query, any query in Lexis or Westlaw, and it returns results, and you use your judgment to take that list of returns, search returns and parse through it and understand which are the best cases for your propositions and all of that, you're working with AI. You already know how to use this. Some of the technology we've been talking about, co-counsel, is just one. There, there are products, all types of research and e-discovery products are injecting more AI functionality into them and have them on their development roadmaps. Again, I would repeat that ChatGPT is not designed for legal research. So natural language searching was meant to be helpful and to widen the parameters for people who who are just exploring, who don't necessarily know what they're looking for, don't necessarily know if the word's going to be in the same paragraph or within five of something else. So I think a, typically a good research strategy is to do both. What is going into Westlaw or Lexis that you might know of that uses AI other than the natural language search? Are there other things working their way in that we're not even aware of? Are they getting better without us knowing about it? Or is it... I think both of those companies, which are huge companies, are ahead of the curve in many ways in that they have resources to throw at these types of developments, initiatives. They also make themselves stronger in these areas through acquisitions. So some of the startups that have done, who have made progress in these areas, they will acquire. I don't know specifically, but I know that some of the large language models that are the basis for some of the startup products are using Lexis and Westlaw resources as part of their training. The article mentions that drafting motions and briefs from legal research is one of the most time-consuming tasks according to most attorneys, and that seems obvious. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Let's assume you're taking a case and you need to draft a motion. Is there anything on the horizon that will tell you, okay, I am, let's say I've even identified some great cases and I want to turn those into a motion. First of all, is ChatGPT capable of saying, hey, use these site, use these ideas, put them into a brief for me. I don't want to sit there and grind it out as a first draft. And I'll make sure I emphasize that I would never file any of that as is out of the chat. But are there any ideas you can offer attorneys for speeding up that process of taking your ideas and putting them into a brief? Yeah, so some of the legal specific platforms will do that for you. We'll give you a first draft and you can you can massage that or work with that. Anything to avoid the blank screen and the blinking cursor. I have never asked ChatGPT to file, to draft me a motion to dismiss. I've asked it to draft me a letter and sometimes it does pretty well with that. But I think that you're probably better off using something that you've already written and using that in your example of you have a mo you want to file a motion, but you don't want to start from scratch and you have these ideas. Do you know of any product out there that supposedly will take your research and generate a first draft brief? Co-counsel will do that. Have you seen that in operation yet? Yes. What's your reaction to that? So it's impressive. It's It has only been released to the public since March, but it has been in beta testing with different firms of different sizes since last fall. 
and it is pretty impressive. You should have a demo of it. I'm writing that down. So what, one of the things I did, I was playing around with it a, a couple weeks ago with one of the other attorneys, and I just threw out, prepare a cross-examination of, and I we threw some facts in that were similar to the case that we were working on, and it was pretty good. It wasn't it didn't cover everything, but there were some things in there that I hadn't thought of and probably wouldn't have thought of. So it was just like ideas. It's I think it, it might be even easier to use, or I'd be more likely to use it in those circumstances where you're not going to take some actual work product and file it with the court or rely on it, but just ideas. Just like brainstorming. Yeah, brainstorming. Yep. I agree, because sometimes you're so close to a case and you've been thinking about it so much, just any kind of objective or different perspective on it is helpful. With respect to developing deposition outlines, cross-examination ideas, stuff like that, there's another product called Cloud Court. It's a product called Gibson that that allows you to analyze groups of depositions. And if you have things like experts that are testifying repeatedly over the course of many cases, similar cases can tell you, can analyze different lines of answers that they give on certain topics to, yeah, yeah, and yeah. can suggest questions or even with with lawyers who give the depositions. What are those examinations? Uh, years ago, Joy, I had one of the law clerks spend half the summer doing that for me. It was right. a case right. where this expert had testified for the same car company for decades yeah. and had given, we had literally, we had 200 deposition transcripts and it boiled down to about a 45-minute cross that completely made him a representative from the defendant said that they probably weren't going to use him. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, it took that amount of time. It took a month, six weeks, and this probably does it. In minutes, in minutes, right. Yeah, that's what, when I see a demo of a great AI product, sometimes I like to say, will the technology give me back the years of my life that I spent <laughs> looking yeah. at those documents yeah. right. and trying to create yeah. that stuff myself? And that goes back to what I said about the better uses of lawyers' time. Yeah, speaking of which, when I first started, we would have a cart in the library, and we would pull books off of a shelf and put them open on the cart to where the case was, and then go to a copy machine and make copies of the case and get them stapled together. And then and then you wouldn't be able to find the book because somebody else had right. the book. All of my time hasn't been productively spent. It could have been spent more productively. Absolutely. The good old days. We all, everyone needs to do it. A document review and, and photocopy some cases, don't? Yes. Uh, to be a legit lawyer. This is number three, contract review. Talked about that briefly. So here is where I think certainly AI products will be able to analyze a library of contracts and suggest clauses for you and suggest structure for you. But where the attorney's judgment and where the human will not be able to be replaced is in this, this situation. Which one is best for your manufacturing client in Illinois and the other party is a distributor in Kentucky or so? Like the very specific types of factual circumstances that you know and could only know because of your involvement and the, the human factors and every representation that we handle. And I would argue that those exist in every case. There are elements of it that just cannot be outsourced to a machine. And contract analysis isn't a particularly personalized type of engagement, but I would still say that 
can give you suggestions that can be helpful, but that you still need an attorney's judgment to really put that together in a cohesive way that is the best structure for your client. One thing I can't imagine that AI would yet be good at would be in determining risk because risk seems to be a human emotion. It interplays very much with what one is willing to bear as far as possibility, bad outcomes. And when you're writing a contract, you might, when you're writing anything, you sometimes get to these moments where you, you can feel it. You can feel that this sentence is the thing that might make or break this thing. And this might be the thing that someone's gonna look at more carefully. Should that sentence be in the beginning of the paragraph? Should it be later on to soften it a little bit, but it's still there? I don't know. And again, you might be calling me chicken little in your mind. The sky is falling down. I think eventually, in maybe a hundred years, maybe it would be better at that, but I don't think it could be good at that yet. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Risk tolerance is certainly a highly personal factor. I would say with respect to the ability to analyze risk, look at any insurance company. There, You can identify any number of factors and they're expert at weighing those and determining probabilities and things like that. But with respect to contractual obligations and your particular client's willingness to do certain things and the emphasis that's placed on that provision and whether it comes before or after the semicolon, I would agree with you. Those are the types of calls that need to be made with an attorney's judgment, I would argue. You can be given a number of different possibilities or options from a program, but I would say that's something, if I was handling that matter, that I would like to make the final decision on. And Yeah, and especially in that sometimes you know the person who's going to read that that sentence yeah. or that document, and you know them well enough to be able to forecast how they might react to certain ways of saying something. And yet AI doesn't know that person they know people in general, perhaps. They have, they know, tendencies, statistical tendencies. But you might know that this is the time to push harder than one might otherwise. And that, that seems to be a matter of art, as you say in your article, art, not science. And maybe someday, but right now, I think, clearly, you wouldn't want to have chat write you a contract and just submit it because there's a lot of judgment that goes into these things. Right. There, of course, and it's not accounting for things like choice of law. There are all different types of things. I don't think it's there yet. I would say that one area or use case that it could be really effective with is imagine a large company that has a playbook of how how it likes to negotiate contracts with certain types of vendors, as an example. And there are different decision trees of how provisions that amongst its own language that it likes to use. It's either A, B, or C, but any of those are its own choices, right? The options that the company has it doesn't come out of thin air. It could be really effective in choosing from a library, contract provision library, something like that, but that's a specialized use case. Yeah, actually, you can imagine a lot of routine contracts being generated, for instance, by insurance companies for subrogation cases for car damage. Right. And at that point, what more needs to be said? I'm sure there's unusual examples, but for most of them, generate me a contract, a release for car damage, and it will know what to do. You maybe need to say the date and the people's name and things like that, but why would you ever want to redo that for reinvent the wheel? 
or a non-disclosure agreement or a, any kind of general distribution agreement. There, there are all kinds of largely form agreements that something like this could be effective with. All right, next topic, make client communication a breeze with AI-powered chatbots. So we talked about this a little bit before. I actually think ChatGPT, I'm not really talking about legal context at all. I have used it to draft letters before too, I, and then I'll change things about it, but I have used it for starting points for letters and it, it is actually quite good at that. You can ask it to do things like draft me a three paragraph letter to a certain person you can even say after it drafts it, make it sound more casual, make it combine this with that, use this word. It's actually pretty good at that. So I would say that client communication, uh, the general nature of it, chatbots are good at it to the extent you're trying to give it and insert any kind of advice in it. Again, buyer beware, user beware. My main challenge when you need some customer service is to get, get your way past the chatbot. And sometimes it's online where you're typing your questions in and then something or someone is responding and it's pretty clear sometimes that it's something and then you want to punch through. Sometimes it's on the phone and, but your question is not the run of the mill question. You don't want to waste any more time. You got to get through it. So on the phone, what I often do when I'm just tired of this game is I'll just mumble and it's just please repeat what you said. I'll mumble again. And by the third time, hold on, we will get you a customer service representative. But there, there are times where the chatbot actually works pretty well. This is what's, your, what's the nature of your problem? Here's what I want. Oh, here's a little article on that thing. Great, that works well. Although in a law firm, I don't know. We, I don't think you want a chatbot being called, welcome to the law firm. Tell us the nature of your potential lawsuit and we will I don't think you want that. I think you want personal contact right off the bat with anybody who calls your law firm. No, I totally agree. I think it, going back to the contract scenario and use case, there are certain types of contracts and certain types of organizations that want their business people and their, for example, their sales team to be able to self-service to some extent to start things like vendor contracts or sales contracts and to be able to work through those and to have some some guardrails so that if they hit certain issues, then those are escalated to legal. But if they stay within certain parameters, the, the salesperson can do it themselves. So I think that's what more what this would envision. So the next topic, leverage machine learning for due diligence and e-discovery. Now we're in your wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have a lawsuit and you have document requests and you have to decide whether the the terabytes of data that you have are relevant or not relevant to those or responsive or not responsive to those document requests. So you can do that using computer-assisted review or technology-assisted review and really oversimplifying it. What you would do is you, as you mark things relevant or not relevant, the computer learns through your calls, through what you're, how you're marking it to find more like that, right? So if I say something is relevant, it's going to look for more documents that have the characteristics of the one that I just said was relevant. Is that your only input about whether it's relevant or not? Or do you say anything more when you're reviewing so, using this technology? So the, the specific technology, I'm, ta I'm not talking about some of the, the futuristic stuff we're talking about. To, with machine learning, I'm talking about 
generally binary type of of determinations of either relevant not relevant you could be it could be privileged not privileged a yes or no type of a response now that's sliced and diced in different ways right because when you have document requests those are typically wide ranging and that and this also is relevant to John's earlier question about what are some unintended consequences of some of this technology right this is really more of a comment about the draftsmanship of some of these discovery requests. They ask for everything, right? The, so you have to go through so much data to really get to that small group of relevant documents. So you're often looking at the documents of 20 different people, right? So it's not just as simple as looking and saying yes, no to everything. In any event, you're using human judgment to help the machine learn, quote unquote, what it's looking for. Now, in a due diligence context, same type of thing. You're looking at documents for different purposes. For example, litigation or warranty history of a certain type of company. You're trying, you, if you're thinking about acquiring that, your client's thinking about acquiring that company, and you want to analyze warranty claims to see what you might be looking at on a future, a going future basis, you might look at that and try to predict what your potential liability could look like in the future. So you would use e-discovery technology to look at a small group of the documents and then try to extrapolate and make some predictions about the larger data set based on a view of a smaller group of documents. The author lists some products including Relativity, Logic Coal, Everlaw, and some others. Do you have any hands-on experience with any of those? Yes. Relativity is definitely has the is the market leader in terms of market share in the e-discovery industry. The other two less but certainly strong market players. There are other market players. Do they all do the learning of machine learning as you're choosing documents? They will try to learn from your choices. I am not sure that Logical does that. I just don't know. Certainly Relativity does. I believe Everlaw does. There's a product called Disco that does. There's a product called Reveal that does. But I, I just don't know. But I, all of those are legitimate discovery products that, that are in use in many different companies. So, you know, you'll see the nice promo for a lot of products that you're interested in. You download it and then you realize it hits you like a ton of bricks oh, I'm going to have to train up on this thing. Are these requiring a lot of investment of your time in order to get good at them? They're certainly, we talked earlier about the technologies, the training bar, right? And how ChatGPT, one of its, one of the reasons it's powerful is that anyone can just sit down at a computer and start using it. With any e-discovery tool, there's some amount of training that's that's necessary, especially to perform the analytics within it. So, that is something that e-discovery attorneys or technologists specialize in. So, yeah, you need special knowledge. It's not that it can't be done, but it's something that people specialize in the same way that you might specialize in consumer cases or product cases or anything else. We're to our last topic, draft and edit legal documents with natural language processing. I think we touched on that already, but what else would you like to say about that? Yeah, I, I think, again, the, the takeaway there is draft, not not finalize and file in federal court, that there may be use cases, particularly in the future, where you can use some legal-specific products to help you draft these types of documents and that they can be a tool and a larger toolkit that 
It always has to be driven by a lawyer's discernment, legal judgments, and strategic thinking and knowledge of the client and the larger context of the representation. Before we wrap up, any other comments you want, like an overall sum or encouragement or anything you want to say about this? When I was thinking about the the title for the article and Keep Calm was a little wink and a cute little thing, but... I really do think that that the future is very exciting. And I, I'm someone who has, I have a daughter who just graduated college, son who just graduated high school. We were talking about this. We have children about the same age. And I'm truly very excited for them. And I agree with you. There is there is uncertainty ahead and there is some anxiety. I have anxiety about that too. But I really think that the arc here is toward, is toward good and that there is a lot of possibility and opportunity here for us to point at all types of societal problems and issues, and there are plenty of those in the practice of law and in our industry. So one thing I hope to do is just to continue to evangelize, to be to think broadly about those issues and to, and to see what we can do to help make the world a little bit of a better place with them. Really appreciate the conversations that we've had about this, Eric, and the friendship we've had through the years, and we're of the same mindset on a lot of this stuff. So thank you for inviting me, and I hope that the conversation will continue. Joy, thank you for joining us for two episodes on AI. This has been a great discussion. We hope to have you back again on other topics, including e-discovery, but so far, so good. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been fun. This has been another episode of The Jury is Out. I'm Eric Veith. I'm John Simon. We'll see you next time. The Jury is Out is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. At The Simon Law Firm PC, we believe in the power of pooling resources in order to create powerful results. We often lend our trial skills and experience to lawyers around the country to achieve better results for their clients. Our attorneys welcome the opportunity to work with you on your case, offering vast resources, seasoned litigators, and a sterling reputation. You can contact us at 314-241-2929 And if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to share your thoughts with John, Tim, and Eric at comments at thejuryisout.law. And subscribe today, because the best lawyers never stop learning.